Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Hello and welcome to this episode of That's What She Said with Sarah Von Bargen, who you might know on the internet as Yes and Yes. Uh, Bear told me this week that he had heard of her long before he found me. Thank you very much. Oh, much that is so sweet. I didn't know that. Oh, my gosh. He's like, she knows her shit. Just so you know, like, she is, she knows her shit. And I was like, I know oh. she knows her shit. We don't even... <laughs> oh, that is so sweet. <laughs> and uh, today I think we're going to talk all about money and happiness and money and happiness. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. So can you give me, I try to think of questions that like will get to where you want to go, but without being really boring and terrible and habitual. So can you give me a brief rundown of your money story as if it were a TV series coming soon on Hulu? What would you be focusing on here? I would say like um, coming soon, scrappy young woman makes good on a budget of $3. I I think that's probably what it would be. Um, I I would say the, um, the thing that is maybe slightly noteworthy about my money story is I inadvertently developed a way of navigating money and happiness that I discovered was quite unusual. And I didn't think it was unusual until people started asking me, like, how are you doing this? How are you traveling for 11 months? I thought you worked at a nonprofit. Um, Or I heard through the grapevine that, like, a mutual friend thought I had a trust fund. Uh, There were a lot of things (laughs) that sort of happened that made me realize that the life that I was living and the things that I were doing were surprising to people based on the income they knew me to have. Um, And so – once I realized, oh, what I'm doing isn't necessarily normal, this must be really noteworthy if everybody's responding this way, that sort of made me realize, like, oh, this maybe this is something I should be teaching people. I should be talking about it because you probably don't need as much money as you think you need to, to have the life that you want. And so I've been talking about that and teaching that um, on some level for many years, but I only started, like, teaching it through – courses um in the last year awesome um and when you're like this is totally normal 
what was the one of the things that people were like, yeah, this is not normal, just so you know. Can you give me a specific? Um, when I when I booked an 11 month international trip um, on my salary of thirty four thousand dollars. Yeah, that only invites more questions, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I and, and I did it while living in a nice neighborhood. Um, I didn't have roommates. I didn't incur credit card debt. I owned my car outright. Um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't work like 70 hours a week. I didn't have like a million extra jobs. Um, I didn't get any support from anybody. And so when people saw me doing that, they were like, oh my, oh my God. Like what I had friends who made two or three times as much as I did who were like really pumped when they could go to Mexico for a week. And then when I booked this giant trip, they were just floored. And it was a combination of understanding in, in the two years leading up to, to taking that trip, it was understanding what made me happy and putting my money towards those things and nothing else. Um, it was being really intentional with my spending. And it was a combination of, you know, like, I know I know my way around a thrift store. I know how to buy really adorable high-end looking clothes for $4. I am a great cook, so I don't need to go out to eat all the time. I bought a car with cash that cost, I think, like $1,800. So it was a combination of budgeting, thriftiness, only spending my money very intentionally, and also also understanding how to travel cheaply. Because if I would have been traveling for 11 months through, like, Scandinavia, that would have cost me, like, $40,000. But I was in India and Nepal and Malaysia and Laos and Cambodia, which are not expensive places to be. Amazing. And when people hear the word budget mm-hmm. or spending diet or intentional money, um, their their life juice starts to run out of them in a sort of way. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Most of us, most of us, when we hear those words, you know, our, you know, our butt clenches and we're like, oh, God, you know, like, you'll take my Starbucks from my dying hands that we imagine, like, yeah. absolute deprivation. We imagine feeling shame for our spending. We imagine rice and beans and giving up everything that we love. But uh, the two things that I have found is that very frequently if we actually really take a look at our spending we're spending often literally hundreds of dollars a month on things that add nothing to our life on things that we've gotten in the habit of buying um or if we're really on maybe they brought us joy two years ago but we've changed and we don't really need them anymore but we just keep buying them out of habit um and the thing that i have found and this might not be true for everybody but i've found it's true for a surprising amount of people if you put yourself on a budget and you choose to see it as like a fun challenge and you choose to do it for a, a specific period of time that is predetermined, like I'm going to put myself on a tight budget for six weeks. And then for me, at least, I find that all of a sudden I'm going to all those museums on the free day that I haven't been to in years. I could absolutely go to those museums at any time, regardless of whether I'm on a budget. But now that I'm on a budget, I'm actually going to free Thursdays at the Walker, or I'm going to the free music and movies in the park, or I'm finally, like, using that gift card that's been sitting in my drawer for six months, or I'm, you know, finally cooking my way through that cookbook at home that I've been wanting to try. For me, and for a lot of my students, it 
is it sort of challenges you and forces you to be creative. And as crazy as it sounds, I really end up doing more things and having more fun and having more friends over for dinner and seeing more of my city when I'm on a spending diet than when I'm not. Which is kind of amazing. I like the reason yeah. budget as a challenge versus budget as like drudgery and giving up on life while sitting at home. Yeah, yeah, it, it it absolutely doesn't have to be like that. Like, just so I put myself on a five week spending diet. I'm on week two right now because I um, need to buy a new car, and I like to buy new cars in cash. I mean, not not a 2017, a new car that's new for me in cash. Um, and in the last week, like, like an Audi. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about what well, I'm talking about, like a 2011 Prius, guys. Like, let's manage our expectations. Um, but like in the last week I went to the Minneapolis Institute of Arts, which is free. I hadn't been there for two years. I went to the Lindale Rose Garden, which is one of the like best things to do in Minneapolis. I've been there once in eight years. Um, I went to a movie in the park, which I always have been meaning to do. And I usually end up doing like once a summer. And those were all things that cost $0 that I could do anytime. But being on this spending diet forced me to be more creative. I love it very much. And last week you were so helpful when I was like, hell, I have to leave <laughs> over 5,000 of my subscribers. And yeah. you're, like, you're going to feel better and it's going to be cheaper. And so I looked and I was, I was when I delete, it was $80 a month that was costing me to contact the dead weight. Yes. And that more than pays for the, the new breathwork project, the hosting, the website, the shopping cart, the design. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, God. Oh, it's so much better. It's so much better. So yes. you are yes. this, like, soft, subtle influence. And I'm like, oh, God, I have to press the button. <laughs> like, yes, oh, no, press the button. You will feel better. Yeah, it's totally <laughs> terrifying. But one of the things I actually tell my students is that when you – finally cancel those subscriptions that you're not using when you, you know, stop spending on the stuff that you don't want. When you cancel cable, when you, you know, renegotiate your car insurance to do your best to make for sure that some of that money you're saving goes back into something that you're really excited about. Because in in my class, I would say probably like 25% of my students are underspenders and they even though they have plenty of money, they like cannot make themselves spend money on fun things. So I I always tell them like, okay, so you're saving $80 a month because you, you know, reduced your, your email list. So now I'm lovingly ordering you to spend like $20 a month on yoga or like for you, like on this new work project that you're super excited about, because there is a certain, a certain portion of the population who will just roll over that savings into their 401k or their retirement, which is great. It's super important, but you also need to like your day-to-day life. You need, you need to love your life. You, you know, nothing's promised just because you save a lot for retirement doesn't mean you're necessarily going to reach retirement. Yes, that's very true. And I completely and totally don't understand those humans in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a small but significant portion of the population who really struggle to spend money on themselves. No, I understand, like, because Joey's totally that way. She's all about, all about, like, we must save at all costs at all times for all reasons. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but, but there are so many things we could buy. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all these things. There's so many things with unicorns on them. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Saving. Yeah. 
um, what do you wish that everyone would do? Um, like sort of the starter, like let's not use the B word of budget, but just like mm-hmm. just start here when you start to look at your bank account or your monthly spending. What is it like? Please, everyone, just start here. It will make such a big difference. What would you say that thing is? I mean, honestly, the the very easiest thing to start at is just make a habit of actually looking at your bank transactions and your credit card transactions. I mean, in a perfect world, I would really love it if everybody did that once a week. But you really, really need to do it at least once a month because there are so, so, so many of us who we, we you know, sign up for the free 30-day trial and then we don't realize that they're going to start charging us on day 31 or we don't realize that our internet price went up or we don't realize that we returned that thing but they never actually, you know, put the credit on our credit card or we don't realize that there's a fraudulent charge. So honestly, the really the easiest, most simple thing you can do is, in a perfect world, it'd be once a week, but if nothing else, once a month, just log in and look at your transactions and make for sure that everything's okay. And if you want to be, I mean, something that I always encourage my students to do is make it make it nice. Like, don't do this, you know, in a rush and you're on your way out the door. Like, make it part of, like, a ritual, you know, like, you know, put in a frozen pizza, pour a glass of wine, light a candle, put a face mask on, you know, turn on some jazz and like, look at your bank transactions, like clear off the table, make it part of like a lovely self-care evening or something. I like it. Yeah. So it's not just sort of this thing that you check in on your phone vaguely and you sort of know what's going on, but you also have to go somewhere else. And Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and, and in a perfect world, you would be looking at these transactions with your partner. If you share finances, you'd be looking at them with your partner. And in a perfect world, you'd also be doing it when you are in a, in a decent mindset. Like nobody, if you're both feeling stressed and you've been bickering all day and you have to be somewhere in 20 minutes, that is not the time to look at your credit card statement. Yeah. Like, you don't say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I would, I would suggest, you know, like if, if you have sort of like a Sunday fun day or like a, it's Sunday night, let's watch our favorite show and, you know, eat Chinese takeout or something. If you've already sort of got a, a ritual of, you know, like getting ready for the week and winding down from the weekend, just tuck in 20 minutes of looking at your money stuff and make for sure that it's going where it's supposed to go. If you're not using something, you've canceled it. You know, nobody's surprising anybody else with some purchases that they shouldn't be making. Yeah, no, I like it. Um, What is the one habit that's made the biggest difference to you personally and your spending practices? In my spending practices, that, okay, this is incredibly simple, um, but it has dramatically reduced how much money I spend. And whenever I tell people this, they're like, oh, my God. Um, so before I, I – I don't even look at prices when I try on clothes. Um, I look at the sizes. I find something that fits me. I try it on. And then if I like it, then before I look at the price, I ask myself, how much would I pay for this? And then I look at the price because for many of us, we will find something, you know, we will go directly to the sales rack and then we're shopping for something because it's cheap, not because we actually like it and it fits well. Or we 
try something on. It's fine. We look at it. Oh, it's $20. Okay. I mean, I guess I could wear this to work or like, oh, this would be fine for a wedding or something. Don't. Like, we all totally deserve to have clothes we feel amazing in. Stop buying shit you don't need and that you're not excited about because it was on sale. Um, and especially if you shop sales or if you, like me, are a thrifter, it is very easy to convince yourself that something is a good value because it's cheap. But the but the thing is, like, if maybe your readers have heard of price per wear, like, if you buy something that costs $60 and you wear it 60 times, that's $1 per wear. If you buy something that costs $7 and you wear it once, it's $7 per wear, so it's, like, technically more expensive. And plus, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I find it demoralizing to buy something and never wear it, and it sits in my closet judging me, and then I feel bad about myself. Yes. That's what I call the A-plus clothing. Like, if it's not an A-plus, it doesn't matter how much it costs. Like, it's oh, an yeah. A, it's an A, it's a B, it's a, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And then if it costs $70, but you love it so much that you would marry it. Yes. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Like, and, and I have clothing. I have, um, I have two winter jackets and I would have paid truly literally hundreds of dollars for both of them because they both make me feel amazing. People consistently compliment me on them. And I live in Minnesota. So truly I I live in these jackets six months out of the year and one of them costs $12 and one of them costs $70 and I love them and they were absolutely worth it. The jeans that I swear by cost between 17 and $30 and I would pay probably like seventy or eighty dollars for them. Amazing. Yes. If you would pay twice what was on the price side, you should definitely buy it. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> a good rule. So if we're looking at aside from that, which is very tricky, um, buying things just because it's cheap and no longer doing that as a practice, super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you actually begin to figure out what makes you happy material things wise? Oh, that is a great question. Well, I mean, honestly, it starts by just noticing um, when you're happy. Like, I'm sure that you've had the experience where you put on a certain pair of jeans or a certain top and you're like, oh, my gosh, I look like a million bucks. I feel like a million bucks. I notice that my confidence is high. Um, I'm immediately in a good mood. And for me, if I had like if something only fits when I'm standing up or if I'm always tugging at it or like I tuck my shirt and it keeps coming untucked like that that does not make me happy but when I can wear something and feel great in it and move around in it that makes me happy um when something is well made um when something like exactly fits the purpose that it has been designed to do so I mean it honestly just starts with noticing like if you pick up this mug do you immediately feel happy? For me, this is this is pretty easy because I've been tuned into it for years. But I think it just starts with sort of quieting your mind. And, you know, like Marie Kondo says, does it spark joy? And, you know, sometimes, like, how much is your teaspoon or your tablespoon set going to spark joy? I mean, who knows? Um, there are some things that you're going to own that are never going to be that joy-inducing. But, like, if you open your cupboard, you probably have maybe, like, six coffee mugs. And I bet you could tell me which coffee mug sparks joy and which one doesn't. So it starts just by noticing. I like it. Is there anything that you always forget doesn't actually make you happy until you buy it and you have to remember again? (laughs) Oh, that is a really good question. That is a really good question. Um. These days, no, but something that I really 
that I only sort of realized recently. So I travel tons. Um, it's it's absolutely the biggest expense in my life. And for a long time, I would try to extend my trips by staying in cheaper hotels. And so instead of staying in like the $80 night hotel, I would stay in the $60 night hotel. Um, and I thought, you know, like, oh, I'm saving money so I can travel more and that'll make me happier. But what I found was the caliber of accommodation has such a huge effect on how I feel about the trip. And so I, I like recently, uh, Kenny and I stayed at an Airbnb, this really, really great Airbnb. And the weather, we were there for the whole weekend, and the weather in this town was terrible. And if we had been staying in some, like, shitty Motel 6, the entire weekend would have been ruined because, like, who wants to be stuck in their Motel 6 hotel room for two days? But because we were staying in this amazing cabin out in the woods that was, like, beautifully decorated, it was, like, cozy and fun. And so that was something that I realized that it is, for me, it is always worth spending an extra 20 bucks on accommodation that makes me feel good, that makes me feel safe, that I would actually want to hang out in if the weather is bad, then saving money um, and, you know, maybe traveling for a day more. So that's that's a money epiphany that I've had recently. I like it. Um, I would imagine that you have people who get your stuff and they're super excited about it, and then they come up against, like, some sort of money demons or creatures or monsters or, like, sewer rats mm-hmm. um so which can you tell me about some of the things that typically come up for people as they dive into the relationship with money and happiness um well i would say the 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 first roadblock that uh that uh, that people encounter is they try and tell me that they don't know what makes them happy um which i lovingly call bullshit on um and so then i like pretty systematically walk them through like okay well here's how to figure out what makes you happy um, so that is the that's the first roadblock. Um, a second roadblock is one of the things I have um, my students do is they print out their their credit card um, transactions for the month and their bank transactions, and then they look through every single purchase. And using a highlighter, you go through and you categorize each purchase. If it was a regrettable purchase, it's pink. If it's an unavoidable purchase like rent or insurance, it's yellow. And if it's a purchase that brought you joy, it's a green purchase. And then you add up each section. And then pretty frequently people will realize how much money they have spent on regrettable purchases. And so frequently people just sort of shut down after that. Um, so I sort of have to like, nope, it's okay. You're not alone. You're not the first person who's made, who's done this. I've I've had students realize they they were spending $2,000 a month on regrettable purchases I had, um, yeah, I had students who came into the course saying that they were living on really tight budgets and there's no way that they could cut any money. And they um, realized they were spending like $150, $200 a month on regrettable purchases, which, you know, when you're living on a tight budget, that's a lot of money. Um, yeah. I, ha- I had students, I had a student who was a life coach and who would have described herself as having like a really good, really robust self-care practice. And then when she went through this, she realized that she had spent $27 on herself over the course of a month. So, oh, God. I, I, yeah, so I've had to really, like, build into the course sort of the reassurance that whatever emotional reaction you have to this exercise, you are not alone. You're not doing it wrong. You're not, you're not broken beyond repair. 
many people have this reaction. So that that's a place where people need a block um, when they sort of see the reality of their spending. Um, and one of the things I have people do is look at those purchases that are quote unquote unavoidable and renegotiate them or really reexamine if they are actually unavoidable. Um, and so the, the hardest part of the entire course is that I encourage them to call and renegotiate the the costs and the and the monthly fee things, which everybody's afraid to do. Um, but I tell them, you know, this is like a 20-minute thing that you have to do that's going to result in hundreds of dollars of savings for the next year or two years. So, like, I know it's scary to call customer service and ask them to give you a discount, but you're saving yourself hundreds of dollars, and it only takes 20 minutes. So that's – I would say those are probably three of the of the blocks that um, my students encounter within their own minds in the first probably, like, half of the course. Yeah, is there a difference between um, the reactions that you see underspenders have and the reactions that you see overspenders have? No? Oh, well, I would say the underspenders are like, like, oh, this is great. Yeah, I totally know all of this. But how do I make myself spend money on myself? <laughs> like, they usually, <laughs> usually underspenders are very type A. They love rules. And they love, they love the highlighters. They love calling and negotiating. Like, that stuff is not a problem for them. Um, so I actually have a section about, like, okay, so here's how you actually make this a part of your daily life. Um, and one thing that I've suggested, because usually underspenders are very, like, project-oriented, um, so, like, make yourself a spending project. Like, let's say you're an underspender and you know you really want to make that spare room into, like, a craft room. So make it a project and, like, assign yourself, okay, well, today I'm going to, you know, look at, cutting tables online and you know next week i'm going to go to home depot and choose paint and rollers so make it a project like a spending project towards something that you know is going to improve <laughs> your life that that's something that they react well to because they can they can do they can do things on a deadline they can do it if it's a project it's much harder when they're you know in target standing in front of the makeup because they'll just convince themselves that they don't need anything Again, I don't understand, but I'm yeah. that these people exist and that they yeah. are happy. They're so lucky to have you. I know. And the thing is, I am I am a recovered underspender, um, but I I can absolutely afford Birkenstocks. Birkenstocks are usually between like ninety and one hundred and fifty dollars, and I can absolutely afford them. I have been wanting a pair for like a year and a half, and I only just got some, um, probably like a month ago. Because I felt like that's a lot of money for a pair of sandals, and then I tried them on, and I was like, "Oh, yes, this needs to be in my life." Um, but yeah, so I mean, I get it. I'm a I'm a recovered underspender. Awesome. Is there uh, anything that makes you insanely happy, even though it's really freaking cheap? Like for me, it's um, not having to make ice, but buying ice in a bag from the store. It just makes me feel oh. like I am a freaking millionaire. Oh my gosh! Oh, that is a great question. Um, I would say visually improving anything, it makes me incredibly happy. And sometimes obviously that's really expensive, like having your house repainted or anything. But, um, mm -hmm. like last week I had been wanting to edge the sidewalk coming up to our house with, um, hostas, but I was sort of put mm -hmm. off because buying that many plants is surprisingly expensive. And also you have to buy them when they're little and then it looks stupid for like a year and a half. 
And so I was like sort of put off by that. And then a neighbor was redoing their landscaping and, you know, by the grace of the, I don't know what, of the landscaping gods um, had like $75 of big hostas sitting on their sidewalk with a sign that said free. And so I took them and split them and lined my sidewalk and it cost $0 and it made me so happy. I can also like very happily repaint anything that makes me super happy. Cleaning things makes me super happy. Any, you know, like switching, putting a new photo in a frame I already have that's already hanging up, that makes me super happy. I like it. I like all these things. Um, So before we got on, you told me that you were on a spending diet and um, earning spree. Am I Mm -hmm. saying that correctly? Yes. And and you were like, this is no big deal. You just go on a spending diet. And then the people were like, what are you talking about? This is not a thing (laughs) that people do. So can you you give me the rundown of what is a spending diet and why in the ever-loving name of shit would you do that ever? Yes. Um, So a spending diet is basically putting yourself on a tight budget for a specific amount of time to reach a specific goal. So I think where a lot of people – get nervous about budgets is they imagine they imagine themselves you know living on a tight budget for the next year and a half just for some like nebulous goal and like that sucks like nobody wants to live on a budget for a year and a half to quote unquote get better with money like that's not inspiring it's not engaging nobody wants to do that um but a spending diet is where you set like a specific amount of money and then you say i'm going to do this for x amount of time and my goal is XYZ. So for me, my spending diet is $30 a week. Um, my goal is to save $5,000 and my to put towards uh, the purchase of a new car. And so what, what I encourage my students to do is, again, get out your bank statement, get out your credit card statement, figure out how much money you spent on fun um, in the last month, and then have that. So let's say you spent $600 on fun last month. When you're on your spending diet, you are allowed to spend $300 on fun this month. The goal, and if you're like, oh, my God, I can't do that, that's fine. You can change it. Like it's not, you know, this is not hard and fast. But the goal is to choose an amount that will force you to be creative and intentional for the length of your spending diet, but not so little that you're going to, like, freak out and give up. So, like, if you find that you absolutely can't do $30 a week, that's fine. Then do $40 a week. But don't, like, try for one week and then be like, no, I can't do it. Like, really actually, you know, really try. Um, and the other thing, so you you figure out how much money you're going to be allowed, you're going to allow yourself. You withdraw it in cash from an ATM because multiple studies show us that we value things that we buy with cash more and we spend less when we use cash. So withdraw it in cash and then, you know, you have – that's your money for the week. And then when you use that up, it's, you know, Netflix and library books. And But if you don't spend it all, you can roll it over into the next week. And then the other thing is so an earning spree – is doing things that you maybe normally wouldn't do in order to make money. So it's selling a bunch of stuff on Craigslist or taking on clients that you maybe normally wouldn't take on or working extra shifts. And so then what I tell my students is, so let's say that you, let's say that you took on a client that you normally, you did some work that you normally wouldn't do and you made 
500 extra dollars from it. So then take 10%, whatever, whatever of however much extra you brought in, break 10% of that, and then you can add that to your fund budget. Because it keeps you feeling motivated, it rewards you for doing the extra hard work, and it keeps you from feeling deprived. I like this. You make this sound not terrible. Like it was yeah, so terrible in my head and so much less yeah. terrible right now. <laughs> yeah, it's totally not terrible. And the thing is, like, there's a dead, like, there's an end to it. Like, my spending diet will be over on July 31st. And then, you know, and then hopefully I'll have enough money to buy a car. And if I don't, I'll be able to look at, like, okay, this is how much I saved in five weeks. And I'll know, like, okay, if I made $3,000 in five weeks, and I want a car for $5,000, then I meet, that means I need to do this again for probably about three and a half weeks. Like, it, it really helps you gauge, like, how much you can save and how much you can earn in that time period and then readjust. And the thing is, I think it's also, I think it's also sort of, if you think of it as almost like a financial cleanse, like, you don't have to do it forever, but it's just sort of like resetting your brain and your spending habits. Like, do you actually need to buy a $5 latte every day? What if you just bought it three times a week? What if you, you know, went out to eat like twice a week instead of five times a week? Because you might be surprised. There there are multiple studies that show, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, when you treat yourself less but with more intention, you actually enjoy it more because it feels like a treat. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So now that you've conquered spending diet, which sounded terrible and you made it better, uh, now <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about, um, you have a new course coming out about habits, which sounds surprisingly even worse. Like, I love you, but it's just, it's just sort of going downhill. So, <laughs> so yeah. on board with habit making. Woo. Yes. Well, so basically what I have found is that a lot of the good things that have come to me in my life, professionally, personally, creatively, came because I built habits to make it easier to get to those places. And the thing about habits is once you have formed a habit, it becomes almost subconscious. Like you literally build muscle memory. You like your schedule like absorbs it and you don't even have to think about it. As you, you've probably heard about decision fatigue um, and also, so decision fatigue is, you know, you, we only have so much like decision juice and the more decisions we have to make in a day, the worse our decision making becomes. Um, and there's also something called right. uh, ego fatigue, which is like you only have so much self-control. And so when something is not a habit, it exhausts you to do it. So if you can habitualize things that get you closer to the life that you want, you can almost like turn off your brain and put these things on autopilot and every day you're slowly moving closer to the life that you want without even really thinking about it. I love that. So instead of marketing like once every month when you're completely broke, you can market for five minutes every day. It's a habit yeah. and it doesn't come up as this big, horrible, like, oh, God, it's so yeah. No, it's totally just, like, a thing that you do. It's not a big deal. Like, you know, every day when you drink your coffee, you send out one network email. Or every day after lunch, you spend five minutes, you know, filling up your Pinterest queue or whatever. Like, some of like some of my habits professionally, every Sunday I do a link roundup. I've been doing them for years. And those link roundups have mm-hmm. brought in 
tens of thousands of dollars in affiliate in affiliate money. They've landed me huge clients. They've helped me um, develop really great professional relationships. And I don't even like think about it. Like I'll be reading the internet. I'll see some article that's good. I'll put it in my favorites folder. And then every Friday I make the link roundup. It's not a big deal, but it's hugely beneficial. I love it. I love it very much. Um, can you give me an example, um, a personal example of a habit that like used to be incredibly difficult and now it's just not a big deal? Um, well, probably to call it incredibly difficult would be overstating it, but um, I always wanted to have some sort of like journaling practice, but I could never like, what am I supposed to write about? Like dear diary, what? Like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to make it work. Um, and so for now, probably for the past, I want to say at least like two years, two and a half years, every night before I go to bed, um, I make uh, a list. So it's one thing that I'm grateful for, one thing that was awesome that day, one thing that could have gone better. And I mean, sometimes I'm just like nothing, but sometimes I'm like, you know, mindlessly eating while watching music videos. And then so that at the top of the page, which is very much a bad habit that I'm trying to break. Um, so the top of the page is what I'm grateful for, one awesome thing, what could have been better. And then at the bottom of the page, it's five things to do the next day. But I call it my can-do list. So, like, if I don't actually accomplish it, it's not a big deal because there are things that I could, like, I could choose to do or not. And of the five things, one of those things has to be fun. So it's not just, like, write this blog post, send out this newsletter. It's also, like, get a pedicure or like work from a coffee shop or have lunch with so-and-so or be on Kristen's podcast. Um, so that is something it took me a while to figure find something that works for me and also habitualize it. But now I do it absolutely every day and I feel sort of like naked and weird if I don't do it. Amazing. Are you ready for the lightning round? Yes. Okay. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Books or Kindle? Books. Netflix, Hulu, or some other service that I'm unaware of? Mm, I think Netflix. Indoors or outdoors? Oh, gosh. I think probably outdoors, but it's a toss-up. Depends on what month it is in Minnesota. Yes, 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 <laughs> absolutely. Depends on the weather. Depends on my outfit. <laughs> the uh, the best book that you've read lately? Um, Middlesex. Nice. And so um, anything else you want to share in particular about where we should find you and give you all of our dollars? <laughs> um, you can find me everywhere on the internet. Um, yes and yes blog is my handle on every social media. And my URL is yes is Sarah nope. <laughs> my URL is yes and yes org. Um and <laughs> and um I have an awesome, awesome Facebook group with like twenty five hundred members where we talk about this stuff every day. People share, you know, money saving tips, happiness tips. They share how they're paying off their debt. Like one woman just paid off $14,000 of school debt and everybody's like, you know, that's amazing. Um, so you can be part of that group for free. It's called Money and Happy. Just search on um, Facebook. Yeah, that's that's where you can find me. I like it. And what, um, which, if somebody's like, I'm completely overwhelmed with all of this. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
where should they start? Would you recommend the spending diet workbook or the habits course or put your money where your happy is or um, where, where should they dive into this with you? I would say um, they can start. I have a free five-day boot camp that, like, touches just the, the very basics of the stuff that we cover. Um, and so if you go to Yes and Yes uh, in the top menu bar, you'll see a tab that says Money and Happy Boot Camp. And that's a free five-day boot camp that will introduce you to these ideas. It comes with a workbook. There are videos. Um, so all the things that we talked about, you can review them on video and with a workbook that will sort of nudge you in the direction of, of, of making some of these changes. I like it. And because you taught for so many years at e as ESL and you're officially trained, like your workbooks are better than, like your free workbooks are better than most people give. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. I was I was a teacher for a long time and I this is super nerdy, but I actually have um, a master's degree in applied linguistics. So like language acquisition and pedagogical theory are things like very close to my heart. So there's lots of, like when I design my course, I'm literally like, okay, is this going to help with the people who learn through doing? And like, how am I going to help the people who learn through listening? And what about, so like, I re, as nerdy as it sounds, I actually use a lot of pedagogical theory in my e-courses. So I, I really like to make them accessible to everybody and actually usable and, um, you know, sort of meet people where they're at. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um... And, and I congratulate you for doing it. So is there anything else that you want to share or that you need people to know or you're just like, oh, my God, you must follow these dogs on Instagram? Anything at all? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, well, I would just say I I want people to know that you probably need less money than you think to have it, the life that you want. You You probably already have everything that you need to get what you want. It's just a matter of rearranging it and looking at things through a new lens. Awesome. Thank you so much, and uh, I'm going to call it there. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format. One gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now. And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. <laughs>